0: The mysterious disappearance of a 30-year-old mother has captivated residents of central Pennsylvania for over three decades. With potential connections to other unsolved crimes, a history of allegations made by local residents, and no new information from the attorney general's office since they took over the case in 2018, small town theories, conspiracies, and suspicions continue to run rampant today. This is the cold case of Barbara Miller. About Last Night, a true crime podcast. Welcome back to About Last Night. I'm your host, Anna Wiest, an advocate for justice, with Francis Scarcella, a reporter from The Daily Item. Here's what we know so far. Barbara Miller, a resident of Sunbury, Pennsylvania, was last seen on June 30th, 1989, when she attended the wedding of her best friend, Lori Wands. She was reported missing by her ex-boyfriend, Mike Egan, five days later. Miller's family and friends claimed there was no reason that Barb would run away without any communication. Initially, police did not suspect foul play But a year after Barb went missing, they began to suspect that she had been murdered. Barbara Miller was declared dead in 2002. All right, we are digging into the second episode of the Barbara Miller cold case. We're here again with Francis today. Francis, first off in this episode, when we are digging into the suspects, give us a list. Give give us a list of all the potential suspects in the Barbara Miller cold case.
1: Uh, great question uh, it's a it's a laundry list to be honest with you and uh, it, it's like going to the grocery store and just writing down people so throughout the years and the thousands of documents and only this only the you know out, out of that whole big uh, pie I've only seen a, a very sliver of a slice and there was many names in that uh, one name that had uh, two names that continuously popped up were obviously that of the former Sunbury, uh, detective Mike Egan that was listed and uh, another guy by the name of uh, a guy from not from this area, he was actually out from western Pennsylvania and he was brought up several different times there was also a another uh, local uh, not so much local but maybe 15 miles away and then there was a sister of Mike Egan who was also deceased that was brought up so you're talking you know out of nowhere, I could, there's five or six people that they...
0: Right. Since the initial investigation into the disappearance of Barbara Miller in 1989, one suspect has been a constant on police radar. Miller's ex-boyfriend, Mike Egan, may have been the last person to see her alive. For 30 years, Egan has been the lead suspect in this investigation. However, he continues to maintain his innocence and, as far as the public knows, there is no evidence that can prove him guilty. Let's start with the constant on police radar since day one, the ex-boyfriend who reported Barb missing. Talk about Mike Egan.
1: Uh, my understanding uh, of Mr. Egan was he was a Sunbury police detective, gotten a little jam back in the days Uh, you know, again, you're doing police work from the 60s, 70s and into the 80s. Uh, he's a businessman in town. He was a well-liked guy. I mean, everything that I talked to and every, and throughout, you know, my reporting is he was just a very well-liked guy and it was always that diddy or didn't he? It's always, it was always that type of thing. So I've had, uh, zero, Opportunities uh, to speak uh, with Mr. Egan once or twice and they were very short conversations I, I, he was not very interested in speaking with me he didn't really speak to police so I don't know why he would have spoke with me anyway uh, I had one I guess encounter coming out of a courthouse where I saw him and said hey do you want to talk and he said soon and that was basically it he's uh, he's never I've not had much with them, so I have, I'm more than willing to sit down at any given mm-hmm. time. And uh, not for the reason to say, hey, did you do this? Talk to me. Tell me your story. Tell the world your story.
0: Mm-hmm. At the time of Barbara Miller's disappearance, Mike Egan was a former Sunbury police detective who had left the force when he was arrested for extortion in 1980. Egan and Miller met through mutual friends while he was incarcerated. Now he was arrested in 1980. That's when he, he was a some great detective. And then he left the force when he was arrested in 1980 for extortion. Do you know anything about that case?
1: So I looked into it a little bit. It had to do with like a telephone company uh, situation where there were, there was money missing. And, and I mean, it, it was, a, it looked like a very convoluted case. And uh, over the course of years, things get expunged from your record and, there's really not much there mm-hmm. on that at this point. And, and you're, again, things have changed in the police world by so much that I, I, all I can say on that is that uh, my understanding is, and through what I read, is that he got jammed up somehow doing something or other uh, and decided to plead out and move on with his life.
0: And how did he and Barb Miller meet?
1: So, my understanding is they met through a mutual friend while Mr. Egan was actually incarcerated and they had met and started to communicate back and forth writing letters. And she, at some point visited him in jail and it was a short stint from my understanding and she'd visited him and they hit it off and then he was released and they started dating from there. That's, uh, some of, from some of the reports that I've read and some of the things that were told to me. So, Uh, whether that's 100% accurate, I can't say. I can only tell you that that's what was in some court documents that I read. So I believe they met while he was actually incarcerated through a mutual friend.
0: Prior to her disappearance, Miller had made at least seven police reports that suggested she had reason to fear her ex-boyfriend. And her son reported that he had heard Egan and Miller arguing the day before she went missing. Before Miller went missing, there had been several police reports made by her that suggested she had reason to fear Mike Egan. Do you think that this, like, contributed to police making him, like, the lead suspect in this case?
1: So, with that being said, yes, there was uh, uh, sh- there was reports made that uh, she was scared and there was things happening and and this and that. And then she withdrew them. So, it's not uncommon... For that to happen in those kind of situations where, you know, uh, there's domestic issues and, and they work it out and then either side, a male or a female withdraws it. Uh, doesn't mean it didn't happen. Doesn't mean it happened. It means it's a common practice when you're in a situation where there's any kind of abuse going on whatsoever. So, it, I mean it stands up on a police radar and especially when then you come in and withdraw it. So, yes.
0: I mean, that can be a sign of even further abuse in my mind to think that you know if one party abuses another party they make a report and then the abusive party convinces them to withdraw the report like that in my head that could play out to be an even more severe situation
1: you're absolutely right. And you're speaking from a woman's standpoint and you're absolutely right. It could be out of fear. It could be out of who knows, you know, at that point we don't know. You'll never know what went on behind closed doors mm-hmm. between the, between any couple, not just these two mm-hmm. between any couple. I, I could ask you what goes on between when you close your door at night and you're with your significant other, mm-hmm. you never know, you know, you never know. You can tell me one thing, but it could be totally off. Yeah. You know, everybody. So I've come to this understanding and a wise man once said that everybody lies everybody lies at some point or another everybody lies and with that being said you gotta try to figure out the happy medium in there some more than others some less than others find that one brutally honest person no matter what mm-hmm. very hard to find so
0: I I just I guess my point is to say that in these domestic violence cases, when either party goes back on the word, I think we should be taking that with a grain of salt. I think we don't necessarily, like, know if it never actually happened. I think we should be taking that with a grain of salt.
1: So with that being said, okay, let me ask you. Do you think they didn't... I mean, they named the guy as the lead suspect in a case, so they mm-hmm. obviously believed that it happened. Yeah. Even though she went in and pulled it back. so I, Right. So I still believe that... I definitely that, th- yes. think
0: that police they didn't disregard the reports that were made. I definitely think that they kept those in mind. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. We'll be right back. The Americas Hose Company has been serving Sunbury and the surrounding community since 1893. Today, they respond to emergencies with multiple ambulance crews and a tower within the Sunbury Fire Department. Their social club is a hotspot for many Sunbury locals looking for a relaxed environment and a home-cooked meal after a long day on the job. Their menu offers the classics along with a new special every day at an affordable price for the whole family. Come and enjoy yourself for good food, good drinks, and good friends. Despite the clear consensus that Egan is the lead suspect in this investigation, police have claimed that there are other suspects as well. Specifically, Harry Catherman is listed in a search warrant as someone whose name has come up frequently throughout the investigation. According to a search warrant, a confidential informant quoted Harry Catherman stating, Barbara Miller's body was buried in Judge Sam Rank's house and police would never look for her body in a judge's house. The informant also claimed that when Katherman was attempting to collect a drug debt, he suggested they pay up, or they would end up like Barbara Miller did in Kathy Reichenbach's basement. So, you know, there's been a pretty clear consensus that Egan has been the lead suspect in this investigation for the past over thirty years. But there have been there have been other names. So one specific name that comes up is the name Harry Katherman That's a name that came up in the reports that I read. What do you know about him?
1: He was a friend of he was a friend of uh, Mr. Egan's sister, Kathy Reichenbach. Uh, Kathy Reichenbach, His name has come up a million and one times. Yeah, and she, we'll get to her. She is now deceased. <laughs> But uh, she was friends with him, so I think, I think it's, uh, I think it's one of those uh, guilty by association. Uh, throughout my reporting, I, the name has been there, but I've never, I've never seen anything in court, in any court document, that would lead me to believe that he, this person, was. Had anything other than maybe knowing some things. Right. Uh, I don't. I just. I just. Disre- I always disregarded that name because it didn't really.
0: For my understanding, there could be plenty of people that know some things. That that's, too.
1: So you can. So name a like in my research, why,
0: Harry Catherman is just listed in a search warrant as someone whose name comes up.
1: You could be listed. There could, yeah. yeah. Right. You could, there could be listed. Be because names. you know somebody, and and there's a, there's obviously ongoing cases that are currently that that. You may have been there or something just to give a witness, whatever the case may right. be.
0: Francis claims the name Roy Harold has come up again and again throughout his extensive reporting of this case. Roy Harold was a known drug dealer at the time Barb went missing, and would have been involved with Barb's group of friends. Roy Harold will come up again in future episodes when we discuss another case that may have connections to this one.
1: The name I did put stock in is a name by the name of uh, a guy by the name of Roy Harold.
0: Yeah, tell us about him.
1: That's the name I put in. That guy was a serious, serious drug dealer in this area from out in western Pennsylvania that I talked about prior to, and uh, I believe that he had a lot of dealings in Sunbury. He had a lot of connections in Sunbury. His father-in-law was a man by the name of Anthony Rocco Franklin, who was arrested. Uh, many years later for uh, murdering his, his uh, uh, son-in-law, who uh, was married to uh, Maria Sanuti Spencer, who also was arrested for murdering her uh, ex-husband. <laughs> and this was uh, son-in-law. So,
0: so he's tied in with a, with a rough in, crowd. <laughs> tied in with
1: a very rough crowd.
0: Francis also links other convicted killers to the name Barbara Miller. The name of Anthony Rocco Franklin appears in police reports as the father-in-law of Roy Harold. Francis discusses meeting with Rocco while the 75-year-old man waited trial for his own murder case, and the unsaid words that were implied.
1: I had actually gone to uh, visit uh, Rocco Franklin at one point, and it's on film, it's on tape, and I've asked him, and, he, and you know, and obviously Mr. Franklin was more concerned about discussing his case. But I went in there with one specific question: Tell me what you know about Barb Miller.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he, he kind of chuckled, and uh, he didn't really say. And he looked at me, and you know, Mr. Franklin uh, is an Italian guy, an you know, old school Italian guy. And he, you know, he got in there, he sat back, and. and uh, you know, he's trying to tell me about how they have no evidence against them and this, that, and the other thing about a separate case. And I said, I get it. I hear what you're saying. But today, my purpose is to tell me about Barb Miller because I've seen your name in reports. I've seen your ex-son-in-law's name in reports. And he sat back and he said, yeah. He said, I didn't deal with him. He was a bum. I said, he was a bum. I said, what do you mean he was a bum? He goes, I, he was dealing the drugs, and, and uh, I told him, you know, don't bring that shit around me. And, you know, he, he, he didn't speak highly of the man. I said, okay. Mm-hmm. I said, well, if that's the case, do you think he had anything to do with Barb Miller? And he stopped, and he looked at me, and he didn't answer. And I said, am I supposed to take that? and he pointed to the phone cuz you we were on the phones through the glass and he mm-hmm. pointed to the phone as if I'm not saying anything over phones. Wow. And that's where it ended and he just never really got back into that and I've tried on several occasions. So but again, you're taking the you're taking the word you're taking the word of somebody who also is was uh, accused of murder and then later on convicted of murder. <laughs> right. So your words, it's still you take, suspicious, you nonetheless. Take, absolutely suspicious, like, but but if, said, but if he just sat there and said, but if he sat there and said, you know, Brett the Hitman Hart from uh, back in the wrestling days did it. What do you, you know, he could have said yeah. any name at whatsoever. So, I don't know. You like your words that you said, you take it with a grain of salt, but it went on the list.
0: Yeah, definitely. But how would Roy Harold have been connected to Barb?
1: So Roy Harold was very was uh, in the same crowd that hung out with uh, Mister Egan. Kathy Reichenbach. At the time, there was a pretty good drug trade situation going on in in, the city of Sunbury. Mm -hmm. And it was the 80s. There was drugs in every city going on in the 80s. There was cocaine. There was marijuana. There was all kind of, you know, drugs being passed around. Um, Another name you're going to get into is the name of Scott Schaefer. Scott Schaefer knew all of these people. Mm -hmm. Scott Schaefer will be the first one to admit to you that he dealt drugs. Mm -hmm. And he was around these people. Uh, and he'll also be the first one to adamantly say for the past 30 years that he had nothing to do in his own case of uh, murder that occurred, which I know you're going to be speaking to him. I know you're going to get into all that later, but he was tied to Barb Miller
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and he never met her, never met the lady.
0: Right.
1: You know, never met the lady, but it was tied into her. And the, the, it goes back to so now there's information out there about this murder of Ricky Wolf. Scott Schaefer's arrested for it. Barb Miller has information on it. And she's going to go to the police. And boom, magically, Barb Miller goes missing.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Was that done by by the lead suspect? Was that done by any of the suspects? Or is that a totally different person now that knows that happened in this case and said, you know, pretty much pardon what I say, but fuck this lady. I'm going to go get her now because she has information. And then these other people are victim of circumstances because Mm -hmm. of the situation. You know, you could be having a bad day and fighting with your significant other and then something bad could happen. And then you say, oh, my God, this was how my day was. Just, you know, bad luck happens.
0: But again, I haven't made seven police reports about my significant other in a domestic violence situation. Correct. Correct. Nonetheless. But a
1: good investigator will say you can't, you know, people need to understand, too. And I've spoken to several district attorneys and to the attorney general's office themselves about it. It's not what you know, it's what you can prove. So you can say that, but if I can tear that apart in any which way, and you get a jury of people up there and they say, well, there's a thing called beyond reasonable doubt. And if there's no, beyond reasonable doubt is saying that this microphone is sitting here right now. That's beyond reasonable doubt. You see it, I see it, there's beyond reasonable doubt. But you don't know if this microphone sat on the, on the desk of Larry Bird, before it was packaged, mm-hmm. Larry Bird tested this mic. Mm-hmm. You could say, "No, he didn't." How do you know that? Mm-hmm. So, if you can get just a uh, just a little bit of doubt in a jury's mind, you got an issue. And I think that's why police would say, like you said, seven police reports, domestic, blah blah blah. But does it mean a person was killed? because mm-hmm. of that no so there's reasonable doubt all over the place and i think that's what makes this this kind of case so hard and the fact that it happened early on and also the fact that there was so many names being thrown around so now let's say you're the killer and you and you go to police and say hey i'm going to give you seven names right now that he, all these people are involved and now police go into an investigation and they say oh my god roy harold and her roy harold was dealing with this guy so he had a know her where harold was dealing with this guy he had a know her and they were going, you know, down the, down the list, you know. And and I'll tell you, I was telling you about Mr. Franklin. So I go into the jail, and I start talking, in that, and that name of Katherman come up. And he said, ah, nah, I got away from all those people and blah, 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 blah. He said, but I will tell you this. He said, uh, I said, there was a rumor, and I read it in police reports, that people had reported that at some party they were you know showing the trophy and they had and they had a body part of barber miller and i asked mr franklin and he gave me no answer so he ran away from you're talking about a guy who had his own meth business going at the time mm-hmm. and he ran away from other drug dealers mm-hmm. so again you have the reasonable doubt. You have the Lego set. So I'm starting as a reporter, I'm starting to say, oh, I'm piecing this. I'm piecing this. And then I go in and sit and talk to a guy who I had no clue other than seeing his name in reports. And I say, take that part out. Take this part out. Now put a new piece in. See if this one fits. Bad timing for all of this. No forensics. No really any kind of, you know, what they have nowadays. Mm-hmm. And it goes cold, which is the worst possible thing for a case.
0: Mm -hmm. And now, a quick word from our sponsors. Chris Reese is not your average insurance agent. He's your neighbor, he's a coach for your child's sports team. He is the loyal customer of your local small business. Chris Reese is an insurance agent who wants to support you as well as your community. He wants to help protect you from the risks of everyday life while also helping you realize your dreams. Offering personal and small business insurance as well as financial services, Chris Reese, State Farm Insurance Agent. For more information, call 570-495-4556 or email chris at sunburyinsurance.com. Another informant claimed that Kathy Reichenbach, Mike Egan's sister, and the woman who was currently living in a home owned by Northumberland County Judge Samuel Rank, had told them she had been one of the last people to see Barbara Miller alive. So the last suspect that we're going to talk about in this episode is Kathy Reichenbach. Her name's come up in this episode already so far. So she was the sister of Mike Egan, the ex-boyfriend, and she was living in a home that was owned by the late Northumberland County judge, Samuel Rank. Tell us how she would have been involved.
1: So she was renting a house. I mean, there's nothing illegal about it. nothing wrong with it. She was renting a house out there. Uh, Next thing you know is she gets arrested. A couple of her and a couple of people get arrested. And here's where I found it to be just off-the-wall bizarre. She gets arrested for drugs, and she goes before the courts. And her landlord hears the case.
0: So the judge, Sam Rank, who owned the house she was living in, heard the case.
1: Her landlord heard the case. You tell me. At no point does that happen nowadays.
0: Oh, yeah. That's conflict of interest. Was it a conflict of interest then? I would assume so.
1: But I don't know. I don't know how things worked back then. But she goes before him, stays in the house. Her and Bart Miller didn't get along, from my understanding. Her, oh. She had made reports that she had talked to Bart Miller. She was the last person to see her. I, I spoke to Kathy Reichenbach. I called her on the phone before she died. Got her on the phone. Got her phone number. She answered. I told her who I was, and I said, And how are you today? And she told me, point blank, Fuck you. And hung up. Wow. Obviously, I couldn't quote her. Mm-hmm. So that was the last conversation and the only conversation I ever had with her.
0: Wow. Yeah, there's a confidential informant that's quoted telling the police that Kathy Reichenbach told them that she was one of the last people to see Barb Miller alive. And then another informant quoted Harry Katherman saying that Barb Miller's body was buried in Judge Sam Rank's house because no one would ever look for it in a judge's house. I mean, how much... How much can you put into these quotes?
1: So that was in police reports way back when, but yeah. nobody went there to look. Nobody went there to look. Why?
0: Why? I mean, you're getting this stuff, and it's all tied back to this house. Isn't
1: that a question that you that you would have loved to ask
0: that is. Sam Rank? Yeah.
1: Isn't that a question That's you'd a love to? That's a huge question. Isn't that a question you'd like to ask a lot of the old-time investigators? Yeah. And say, why would you not go there? Mm-hmm. Why did, you, why did the district attorney at the time say, we're not going to a judge's house and tearing it up? But again, it was there enough to get it. Yeah. So to wrap it up, I mean, if you're asking about suspects, it's a laundry list, like I said in the beginning. Uh, there's just so many. And each one of those people is how I did it on my own little charts is I'm it's a Lego set. And I had each one marked off on a Lego set. And if they didn't fit, I put them back off to the side. Sometimes you'd be able to grab that piece and put it in and say, "Ooh, this fits. And then I'd have to take it back out.
0: Thirty years and various suspects later, there has been no arrest in the disappearance of Barbara Miller. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of About Last Night. Next week, we will cover the reopening of the Miller investigation in 2002 by then-Sunbury detective, Deg Stark. We'll be talking about caves, cadaver dogs, and bones under houses. You don't want to miss it. Produced by Harv Productions, LLC.